Hey everyone, in today's episode, I do a live with Rachel Tuckman, and we really tackle intuitive eating and why it's important to reject diet culture. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your feedback on this. I, I really enjoyed Rachel Tuckman's amazing. We've done some live classes together, and I personally learn a lot from her. So check out her Instagram, Rachel Tuckman. She also has a YouTube channel, and she has amazing content there. And I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Please reach out to me if you have any questions or any feedback, and please subscribe to this podcast as well as my YouTube channel. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. guys this is a surprise live that I am going to be doing with Gila Glassberg um, intuitive eating dietitian I'm waiting for Gila to request to join we did not announce that we were doing this but we are going to be talking about diet culture intuitive eating health at every size I'm gonna be talking with Gila Glassberg again I'm waiting for her to join um here. I'm just waiting for her to join. Hey Gila. Hi Rachel. Okay, I'm so excited for this. I was telling I was saying how this was like a surprise live that we're doing on a really important topic. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll let you take the lead. We're gonna save this um, for 24 hours on my page, and then we'll save it to YouTube, and it'll be on Gila's website also, available for viewing. Okay, great. Thanks so much for doing this, Rachel. Um, first, I'm just going to say this, because I always tell people this. First of all, I love you, Rachel. You're amazing, and you're spreading such an important message. And second of all, I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but you were the one that told me that when you feel nervous, it means that you really care. Yeah. So. I've told a lot of people that, and I said, no one's ever told me that in my whole life. Everyone's always said, don't be nervous. It will be fine. And it's very annoying. So I love that you say that. Yes. So I guess Um, just introduce yourself, like tell people who you are, what you do. Okay. So my name is Gila Glassberg. I'm a registered dietitian. So I'm clinically trained in nutrition. I have my master's in nutrition and I'm also certified in intuitive eating. I'm an intuitive eating counselor. And um, Intuitive Eating is a book written by two registered dietitians, and it's completely well-researched, and it's an amazing book, and I really fell in love with it because I was working in the field for many years, 
doing traditional nutrition and um, dietetics and I just really wasn't feeling fulfilled. I felt like I was pretty much like the food police. Right. And it was like such a bad feeling. Like I was working in a nursing home and like, and like, I guess like being clinically trained, it's like, Oh, this person has diabetes. Like you have to give them like nutrition education, not to eat too much. I'm like, they're 80 years old. Like never. That's so really sad and annoying. Like let them enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I did have a few like really good bosses that were like, that's totally a quality of life call. And like, that's like, you don't put an 80 year old on a diet anyways. But like, I had other people that were like, yeah, you need to talk to them about like all that fried chicken. Mm. Um, Okay. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, so I was, I was doing it for a few years. I, I really didn't do it that long before I felt like I can't do this. And then I was like, shoot, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't do private practice because private practice dietitians put people on diets and I kind of didn't want to do that but and I didn't even at the time I didn't think I was like steeped in diet culture or anything like that but I was still really you know restricting or considering foods good or bad or maybe even guilting or shaming people Mm -hmm. and um and that's when I looked to the research and I found intuitive eating I actually I didn't find it on my own Rena Reiser introduced it to me who's incredible also, and she's also an intuitive eating counselor. And she actually um, introduced us, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now I work in Woodmere. I have a private practice and um, I help women heal their relationship with food using the principles of intuitive eating and, you know, my nutrition background. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to like interview Rachel because I mean, you're always spreading like such an important message here on Instagram and we've done, you know, live workshops together, but, um, I, I just kind of wanted to ask you, like, I know you've said this before on Instagram that like even a year or two, you were still interested in dieting and it was still something that was like really a part of your life, but what turned you on to intuitive eating? Like, what was the switch for you? So yeah, something that I do talk about a lot on here is that it was probably, it was just over a year ago that I was on a diet. Um, and it, I like stumbled upon like Tiffany Rowe or her account. Um, and she's a social worker. She happens to have had an eating disorder and she works with eating disorders. And she started, she was talking about intuitive eating and being anti-diet. And I'm like, what is that? You know, and I was on a diet at the time. Um, and I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that. What is that? And the more I started learning about it and hearing about it, and I was on this diet and like really hungry and yeah, I was losing weight. And of course, you know, I was getting all the compliments and I, and I felt good cause I was thin and fitting into stuff that I hadn't worn in a while. Um, and then I went on winter break with my family and like, I didn't know what to eat and I was stressed out and I kept like texting you know, the person who was like kind of coaching me on the diet and I'm like, I don't know what to eat and I'm stressing out and I can't have this and I can't, I can't have cereal and I can't have a grilled cheese and I can't like, and there wasn't really anything to eat where we were. And then at the same time, I was still reading about this intuitive eating and anti-diet and I was so sick and tired of torturing myself. And it clicked. Like I saw a post one day where she said, like, it was like, think about how many diets you've been on. Like, you know, when are you going to realize, like, your body keeps going back to this weight, like, maybe that's where it's supposed to be, you know, and I was like, Oh, my God, like, yes, you know, and it's not 
like, what is that weight doing for me? You know, I'm much older than I was, you know, when I weighed the weight I was trying to get to. I have three children, thank God. I don't need to be at a certain number anymore. Like, I don't need to be obsessed with being a certain size, fitting into clothes, literally, that I have in my closet since I was in high school. Like, I don't need to do that anymore. And I was just, like, I just got so sick of it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to look into it more. And even when I started intuitive eating, I was still kind of of the mentality of like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know what? Like, you could be a little, you could be overweight and healthy, but there's certain weights, like, you really need to lose weight to be healthy. Like, okay, up to a certain point, you know? So even though I wasn't fully on board with intuitive eating health at every size, I was kind of like, yeah, it's for some people, but like really fat people, they need to go on diets. You know, and the more I started reading and the more I started reading research, I love reading like research papers. I love printing them out all, you know, 100 pages and going through it myself to see if, you know, and this is something that's important to know. I like to see if researchers conclusions and what they write in their abstract, if it matches up with what the research really shows, because you'll find a lot of the time, sometimes researchers will make conclusions that contradict what they actually found in their research. And people don't look, people don't, you know, go and and see what they actually did. So I like to see for myself, like, is that really what you found? Or are you kind of twisting your data and interpreting it to fit your goals and and your, you know, what you want to present? So I was reading a lot of research and I was reading um, Body Respect by Linda Bacon. And I read Evelyn's book, Intuitive Eating. And then I ended up taking her course also for practitioners. She's incredible. She's amazing. She is so like energetic and she's just such a wonderful, like just like a great, fun, awesome person. Mm-hmm. Um, for that alone, like I just, any, she could like, you know, sell me anything at this point. I was like, I just yeah. love everything you say, you know? Um, and then the more I read, the more I was like, I can't even believe that I ever bought into this, that I ever thought that it was important for me to be a certain weight or that it was important for other people that I knew. I judged people like, beyond like I was so judgmental of people's bodies and their movement or lack thereof and what they were putting in their mouths and you know and what was going on with them because of how they looked I would be like well if they lost weight like it might be better for them or whatever it is like I was so guilty of that um and I just you know I think part of like my healing in this whole process also is like learning to forgive myself for a lot of the judgments that I made about other people and maybe the things that I like when I encourage people, oh, you look great or stay on that diet or go on that diet, like pushing people to do that and, and complimenting them. And especially people that I know that went on diets and now they've gained the weight back. I don't want them to think that like, I'm like judging them or I'm like, oh my God, you're fat again. Like, you know, I just feel a lot of guilt that I was one of those people that was like, wow, you look incredible. You're so healthy now. You know, so there's a lot of like work mentally that has to be done for me, not just in terms of my own stuff, but just of like how I participated in diet culture as someone who is in a smaller body. And I have that like thin privilege that no matter how big I was, I was always kind of acceptable to society. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, like I didn't, I, I didn't experience what people in bigger bodies do. And I was part of that problem of like stigmatizing them and judging them and telling them what's in their best interest to make them healthy. And that's like really scary and and sad you know and I'm so thankful that now I don't 
believe those things and that now I'm able to educate other people and spread that message of like, health is not a body weight. It is not a clothing size. It's not something that you can see, you know? Yeah. And health is not just your body and what you eat. Health is so much more than that. And as someone who is in the mental health field, like, why wasn't I more aware of that? Why wasn't, why was I pushing that narrative of like, well, if you're thin and you weigh a certain whatever, then your life is going to, you'll feel better about everything, you know? But again, it's supposed to show you can be a really intelligent person. Like I'm super intelligent, <laughs> but no, you can be like a, an educated, intelligent person and you could still buy that, that garbage. You can still buy into that toxic message, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're a person who's kind of immersed in that world, like, and you're learning right now, like, oh my God, you know, this, I can't believe that I ever believed that stuff. Like I would say, you know, you don't have to stay in that shame and you don't have to be, you know, like what's wrong with me that I believe that, like understand that the powers of society and diet culture. Yeah. They're so powerful that you can be a really smart, well-rounded, educated person and you still believe it, you know? Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to, I want to hear more about like your, like I do this with my clients, but like it's, it sounds like diet culture was really ingrained in your head. Like, so I want to hear more about that, but I also want to point one thing out about the research that you were saying. So I went to Queens college and I had, I did have a lot of diet culture professors, but I also didn't. And I had an amazing professor, professor Kant. She was like so brilliant. And she's the one that taught us about the research methods. And she, it's really stuck in my head that so many people say, like, I was, I was even at the gym today. I feel bad saying this, but I was at the gym today. And this instructor, she goes, she goes, everyone should have chocolate milk. I just read an article that chocolate milk is really good for post-workout. So I was, I was thinking, like, people read articles, and they don't know how to read articles. They don't know how to read research. They don't know the strength of the research methodology. They don't know how many samples, how many people were in the, were in the sample. And we don't, they're not regular people who don't, like maybe not in the medical field or whatever are not educated that like, there's a way to read an art, a research article. And like you're saying, the abstract might not be in line with what the research is showing, number one. And number two, also what this professor said was like, notice that if Pepsi puts out um Right. An article that's promoting their product, the research is probably skewed. Not just yeah. any food company that decides to do their own research, they're skewing the research to so that you'll buy their product. Yes. So I, I really want want people to know that. Yeah, that's important to know who's funding the research for sure, because that's going to play a big role in what the outcome is. You know, they're gonna be looking for a very specific outcome. So if you have this like council against obesity funding a research paper on the efficacy of diets, like, of course, they're going to tell you that diets work or on the risks of obesity. Of course, they're going to tell you that obesity is going to kill you because that's their whole angle, that obesity is dangerous. So it's so important to know that the research that you're looking at, who it's funded by, who the researchers are, what their background is, what their mission is. That's really important because you want to know if there's any biases there. You know, and I know that that Lindsay Bacon specifically, she always says she takes no money from any of these big organizations for her research because she wants to have that integrity, you know, that she is not like kowtowing to anyone. She is just looking at the research and and interpreting it honestly without anyone else's, you know, motives in mind, which is important. You want to know that that research is true and real, you know. 
Yeah. And just to, just to say one more thing about that is that like, I've, you know, it's hard to get clients once you become an anti-diet dietitian because weight loss sells, right? Like these things sell. And I've even had like business coaches tell me like, maybe just like put weight loss on your website or something like that. And I'm like, I don't want to sell weight loss. And they're like, yeah, but you have to cater to like what people need. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like people will pay you if you could help them. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Like it is your integrity. Like this is really important. Like think about, so, so this is what I wanted to go back to. So you're, you are a very intelligent person and you're a highly educated person and you're working in the mental health field, but you still have this very um, intense, diet culture mentality about like fat people are bad skinny people are good I need to be skinny so so walk me through like your childhood and your relationship with food as a kid where does that come from so growing up um I was definitely around people that dieted I was always like a small build so I never like I never struggled with my weight I could always like eat whatever I wanted and I looked the way I did like I never gained I never I was just normal um Foods were not really restricted in our house. We really had everything. Like it was, you know, there was like barbecues on Sundays and birthday parties with ice cream and cake. And like there was never any of that in terms of like what was allowed into our house. But I did have family members who struggled with weight. My mom was overweight my entire life. Um, she was in a bigger body. But the, the irony is, though, that she would always say, she'd always be like, yeah, like I'm bigger, but like I'm healthy. And I would always like roll my eyes like, you're not healthy, mom. You know, right. like in my head, think it, I would never say it. Right. I was like, healthy, like you're so big, you can't be healthy. Right. And happens to be, thank God she's 75 years old and she wow. is, she looks like she's 40, mm-hmm. you know, she's in a bigger body. Yes. But she's working full time still energy, you know, like, okay, she gets a cold here or there. She has some health things, you know, but like she's healthy, you know, even yeah. better than my dad who was thin his whole life and always dieting and exercising. He's had more health issues than her. Right. It's just so interesting that she would always be like, I'm healthy. And I'd be like, yeah, right. No, you're not. Right. She is. Um, But she struggled with weight her whole life. Um, She had also, she did a a lap band surgery. I remember when I was like in high school, because she was, you know, the doctors were telling her she's so overweight. Um, And, you know, like there was a lot of like, she wasn't treated so nicely by people because of her weight. So I was always hearing comments in my house about her weight. Don't eat that. That's not for you. Um, You know, do you really think you need that? Um, You know, I know that she felt like my dad was like ashamed to be around her because of how she looked. Um, She had like a lot of her stuff with weight. Um, And again, I had siblings who who struggled with weight. Um, So I always saw it and I always saw people dieting. And, you know, my dad was on he did the cabbage soup diet he did the south beach diet and my sisters did the atkins like everybody was doing a diet so i definitely knew but i never went on those because i didn't have to mm-hmm. and i ate what i want as i approached like high school when everyone starts obsessing with how they look and whatever of course i was like oh my god i'm so fat i'm so you know mm-hmm. i had body image issues i was not i was again super small like i was a really thin kid always. Um, and then it kind of like from there, like, again, I was never really on a diet, but I definitely had some disordered eating stuff. Like I wouldn't eat until like lunchtime. And then I would like binge on like chips and soda. And then I would like starve till dinner. Maybe I would eat a little dinner and that was it. Like I really was not eating properly at all. Um, 
then I remember like when I was in college, um, again, kind of just like wanting to stay small. So I started exercising to be skinny, not mm -hmm. to be, I went to the gym because I didn't want to be fat. Mm -hmm. So I Gym. I hated the gym. I did not like it. I didn't want to sweat, but I went because that's what you have to do because God forbid you should gain a pound. Mm -hmm. The gym, again, disordered exercising behaviors. Um, and I remember at one point I was eating so little and exercising so much that I went for like a physical at the doctor and they pulled me aside after the appointment and they asked me if I had an eating disorder. Yeah. They were so concerned about my weight and how I look. Mm -hmm. But even more twisted and sad is that when I left the appointment, I called a friend and I'm like, Oh my God, they think I'm anorexic. Yeah. I was so proud of myself Yeah, that they thought I was so skinny. Right. And looking back now, I'm like, that is so twisted mm -hmm. and did that. I was proud of how thin and, and frail I looked. I, I wasn't actively trying to be anorexic. I wasn't, trying to restrict my food. I was just like, whatever, like, I don't want to eat so much and I'm going to exercise because I want to be skinny and I want to make sure I'm skinny. You know, maybe it was like an undiagnosed eating disorder. I don't even know, but sounds like it. Yeah. But I was so proud of myself that they thought that there was something wrong with me. Like that's how thin I was, which is so twisted. It's so um, twisted. Yeah. And so, you know, and then I got married and I gained a lot of weight after we got married. And that was like really hard for me. I didn't want to be bigger. I wanted to be small. And so what do you then I think that was, what do you think that like, do you know what caused the weight gain? Stress? You know, then, so I started realizing that, um, there was as much as I thought I had like access to all food in my house, there was some restrictive stuff. Like we weren't allowed to have certain cereals only like on the weekends. There was like no soda in my house until I was in high school. We were not allowed to have soda like at all. Mm -hmm. So I started noticing when I got married, like, I would like buy like all the cereals that I couldn't have. Like when I was a kid, I was like buying them all. And like, I was drinking soda constantly, like nonstop. I couldn't stop myself. I was like, literally like addicted, like right. going these binges because Deprived. I, yeah, I was right. this adult now and I had full access to all this stuff and I'm going to have what I want in my house. And so then I started, you know, buying all that stuff and just eating like, like, I guess like without a care in the world. And maybe also I felt like, you know what, like, I don't have to worry anymore. Like I'm on my own and like I have this security of a relationship and I don't need to impress anyone anymore. Like I could just be myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And like my husband, he didn't care. Like he wasn't like, I married you cause you're skinny. Like I knew no matter what, like he loves and accepts me. Like I wasn't like, I need to be skinny for my husband. He, he honestly didn't care how I looked. So I just started like getting out of control and I just couldn't stop eating. Um, and then it got to a point where I, I got on the scale one day. I didn't even realize how much weight I had gained. And then I stepped on a scale one day and I was like, oh my gosh, this is why my clothes are so tight and I can't fit mm -hmm. into it. Or like I had gained a lot of weight. So I said, oh, I'm going on Weight Watchers. I went on Weight Watchers and I was starving, of course, but I lost all that weight. And then I kept it off, you know, for a long time. Um, and I never went back to that weight again because I guess in a way I had allowed myself to have all that food and then like, I didn't care anymore. Like I didn't want to drink soda anymore. I didn't right. care about those cereals. You made, peace with, you made peace with it. Yeah. Like I just didn't, I was like, you know what? I know that I can buy this stuff and I can have it in my house. So like, I'm okay now. Like I don't feel so like, you know, this urgent need to like have it because I might never see it again. 
So in that way, I kind of healed, like all of that was great. And I think that's, you know, I, I lost that weight in an unhealthy way because I was restricting with Weight Watchers, but I ended up keeping it off. Cause then once I went off Weight Watchers, like I just felt better about knowing like I can have whatever I want in my house when I want it. And I don't have to feel like my mom is grocery shopping, so I'm not going to get the things I want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I started like, then I had started having kids and um, during my first pregnancy, I was obsessed with also like, I did not want to get above a certain amount of weight gain for the pregnancy. And I was exercising and being very careful about what I ate, which again, I look back now and I'm like, I was so young and dumb. Like, why was I doing that? You know, I wasn't on a diet, but I was just very careful. And I was, every time I would go and get weighed, I was like, oh my God, please. Like, I don't want to get over that mark of like that, that goal that I set for myself of the minimum of the maximum amount of weight I can gain. Um, and I gained less than, than that even, which is also crazy. Thank God my daughter was healthy. She is healthy. I was not healthy up here, but she everything was fine. Um, and then, you know, um, then I just like, of course I was like, well, I have to lose all the baby weight now, even though I gained barely anything, like I need to get back to how I was. And, you know, so then again, I just started into this like disordered eating of like certain foods I couldn't have. I wouldn't allow myself to have them. Um, exercising again, I did like exercising at this point. I started learning to like it, but there was still the mentality of like working off what I ate or working out to burn calories so that I wouldn't gain weight if I ate certain things. So just like really bad relationship with like exercise and food. Um, and then just, I guess like a whole bunch of that. Then I had my next baby and again, you know, going on another diet with her. I did at one point work with a nutritionist who she was actually so fantastic. I feel like she, she did put me on a diet. She did restrict my calories, but she also taught me how to eat in a way that I had never learned before. Like for the first time in my life, I was actually eating every two hours and I was full and I was being mindful of the food that I was eating. Like she taught me about like carbs and proteins and fats and all of these things are necessary for your diet and don't cut things out. So while she did restrict my calories and put me on a diet, I learned a lot from her about nutrition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take away the, the calorie restriction. I learned so much about how to feed my body through that diet. You know, mm-hmm. so once I stopped doing that, you know, plan with her, I still kept to do, and I still do it. Like I make sure that you know, when I'm eating, like I am being careful to include all of those things in my diet. Whereas before I thought I'm not allowed to have carbs, fat, no way. You can't do that. So I learned protein basically. Yeah. You know, so I learned like all those things are important. I need the protein. I need the carbs. I need the fat. And again, she taught me how to like feed myself. Um, so for that, I was so grateful to her. Um, I didn't feel like I was so restricted on her plan because I was always full, but again, I went from never eating and like skipping meals till probably three o'clock in the afternoon to like having a breakfast, having a snack, having a lunch, having a snack, having a dinner. Like, so I was like busting, you know, but even then I wasn't even eating so many calories. Like I wasn't eating, I've been eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I lost weight, but again, like I wasn't doing what was good for my body. And then I gained it all back again. Um, right. And, you know, again, so like, that's just the story. Like, and I just kept going on them and going on them. And then finally a year ago, I went on another one 
And I was like, this is it. I'm going to do it. And like, I'm not gaining weight anymore. And then when we went on this vacation and I was just terrified because I'm like, there's nothing to eat. We're in a place where there's like no kosher food and we had to bring stuff from home. And like, we were really limited. And I was so stressed out about the food. I was like, I'm not even enjoying the vacation because all I'm thinking about is I hope I don't gain weight. I hope I didn't gain, I hope I don't gain weight. You know, it was awful. So from there, coupled with all the learning I was doing from, from Tiffany Rowe and then finding Evelyn Triboli and then finding all of these intuitive eating health at every size dietitians and meeting Rena and meeting you. I just, I like started on this whole journey of like, I'm so done hating the way I look, restricting the way I eat and, and just constantly like going on this roller coaster of like diet on diet, 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 loving and feeling like, Oh, I look so great. And then, hating the way I look. And like, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I have a daughter who was coming to that age where she was starting to hear that talk from her friends. It was never from me because I never would say, I would never say about myself, oh, I'm so bad or, oh, I hate myself or, oh, I look disgusting in this. I That I was always careful about. But she definitely saw me going on diets and like talking to a nutritionist about, you know, being careful about what I eat. And so she knew that I was, going on diets, you know, I would always be like, Oh, I just want to be more healthy. And I want to like, be careful about like what I eat. And I want to know that I'm eating the right things. I would always phrase it like that. But she's not a dummy. Like she knew what I was doing, you know, they all do. I'm going to the gym because like, I want to, you know, work off whatever I ate. Like she knew what I was doing. Why and I eating differently than all of us? Yeah, like she knew, you know, so like, I mean, it happens to be I would always eat pizza and I would always eat that kind of stuff. But like, you know, if they would have like noodles one night, I would make an omelet, you know? And so like, right. like what do you, you, you don't eat noodles anymore? Like what's going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not healthy for you, but it's healthy for me. I don't get it. Very like, confusing. Very you know? confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So confusing. So I knew like I'm sending mixed messages and I know that that's a lot of the talk that she was starting to hear at a young age, even in her grade, like fourth, fifth grade, it was starting already because mm-hmm. bodies are starting to change earlier yeah. for her and, it started coming up and I was like, you know what? I can't be a hypocrite. Like I can't be the mom that's like, no, you can't diet. They're not good for you. And you know, you don't need that, but like I'm doing it myself. And then what, when she's older and she starts doing it, am I going to feel differently? Like, yeah, you should be on a diet. I never want her to feel uncomfortable in her skin. I never want her to hate her body. I never want her to feel like she needs to, to exercise in order to like punish herself or shrink herself. I just didn't want that. So I'm very much a believer in like, I need to be who I want my kids to be. Like that is my MO in life. Like if I want them to be a certain way, I have to live that way. I can't just tell them to be that person. So I decided like, I'm just not doing it anymore. I'm going to start adopting the intuitive eating. I'm going to start figuring out how to make exercise something that I do just because I love doing it. And thank God I go to a gym that I love going there. I just, I love the classes. Like it's such a mental thing for me. It's not even about what it, what it's doing for me physically. It's just what it does for me mentally and how I feel when I'm there. And I actually find that on my bad body image days, when I go to the gym, I end up feeling so much better. Like it just helps it's a place where I'm like, it doesn't even matter what I look like. I know I just did something good for myself and that's all that matters. And I got myself through that class where I almost like died and I didn't think I could make it like, wow, my body is amazing. So it gives me like better appreciation on those days where I'm not feeling good. 
So um, that's just where I landed up, where I was just sick of diets. And I, I realized they weren't working, coupled with, like, my daughter really hearing a lot from her friends of, you know, like, she would be eating, like, a pizza chip for snack and offer her friend. And they're like, I'm, I'm not allowed to have carbs. My mom said I shouldn't eat carbs. Okay. You're in sixth grade. What do you mean you shouldn't have right. carbs? You need them for your brain development. Like, carbs are the most important source of energy for our bodies. Like, why is a, a, an 11-year-old girl saying that, a 12-year-old girl saying that? So I just didn't want any of that for her. And just remembering also like my whole relationship with food and my body and, and that time in that doctor's office when they pulled me aside and, and I was so proud of that. Like, I never want her to think that way. I don't want her to look at other people's bodies and judge the way that I did. I don't want her to look at my mom and be like, oh, grandma's not healthy like like I did growing up. I want her to understand that like health, again, is so much more than how we look. It's it's not even how we look, but there's so much more that's involved in that. And I want her to understand that, like, really what's more important for your health is your relationships, that you're in relationships where people love and respect you and value you, that you're happy, that you're getting enough sleep, that you're not using drugs or smoking or drinking, you know, that, that you are safe, that you live in a safe neighborhood, that you're in a safe home that you are taken care of financially, that you have a connection to your community. Like, I want them to know that's what health is. Exercise and what you put in your body is also important, but that's not the most important, you know? One component, yeah, 100%. So you're describing basically like what a lot of my clients describe, and also like it's just one of those things where you read the intuitive eating book and you're like, oh, that's why I can't stay on a diet, and that's why – when I grew up not having chips or soda or whatever it was, and now I'm binging on it. And now once I give myself full permission to eat it, I'm allowed to have it. And it's like this aha moment, like, oh, that's why I can't like keep this weight off. Or that's why I'm so obsessed with food. Or that's why I'm hiding in my closet so nobody sees. And it's like, it's really, it's very eye-opening. I mean, I know like I had a similar situation when I read the book that I had that aha moment because even though, I struggled with disordered eating as a teenager, like seriously, seriously. But I, once I realized how unhealthy I was at that time, I was like, I never want to do this. I want to teach people about healthy food and balance and everything. But once I read the book, I realized that I still had that disordered, a little bit of that disordered eating thinking and definitely judging other people for being in a bigger body. And I think somebody asked like, how could you be, how could you be overweight? and unhealthy. And I, I would really like to recommend reading the book, Intuitive Eating, um, Anti-Diet, Health at Every Size. But I'll just say, I know this sounds super extreme, but that's kind of like saying, how could someone black be healthy? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because, because we, now we do know that there are so much of the research, they're not, um, they're not testing for confounding variables that are associating overweight or, and obese with being unhealthy or with having heart conditions. And we know that yo-yo dieting and your weight going up and down and fluctuating is actually much worse for your heart and your health than just staying at a certain size. We know that weight stigmatization is also very bad for your health. Like all these emotional components that you're talking about, not having um, friends, not having security, that could give you stress. That and and being on a diet raises your cortisol levels, which could also make you gain weight. So the research is there and like i hope you guys will read the books and you'll understand that like how much also there's no there's no clinically um proved way to lose weight safely and keep it off think about all the people that you know that 
who have went on a diet, lost the weight, got all those compliments and felt like I'm only accepted if I'm, if I'm this weight, people only recognize me if I'm this weight, I better keep this weight off. They gain the weight because that's just the way our bodies are. And then they, they feel horrible about themselves and they have shame and guilt. They don't, they feel isolated. They don't go out. They don't have friends. It's like really horrible. Like you're really this, like you're really like painting a picture of like how even in a thin body, you could be, have so much pain and guilt around the way that your body looks. And that we know also like the diet industry is like a $78 billion industry per year. So like they're, they're thriving off of us women or, and now even men hating ourselves and yeah. doing anything for weight loss. Yeah. It's yeah. literally crazy. Yeah. Something that I read that was so interesting. I'm, I'm reading this book now, Body of Truth. Um, and it's talking about like the history of like diets and, and how like our views of what's healthy have like evolved. Um, and something that she brought up, she brought up some research that I thought was so interesting. She was talking about how we're all obsessed with like, yeah, but there's healthy food, right? And there's unhealthy food. And she said that they did, they did a bunch of studies, like it wasn't just one. So they, they, you know, they, um, they did the study like a few times. They replicated the study. So that also makes it something that has more validity. Um, so they did a study where they looked at groups of people and they gave them, um, dif- they gave them foods that they enjoyed, you know, that were like within their culture and like these delicious food that they love. And then they gave them foods that they didn't love so much. And they tested, I guess, like their, their nutrient, their nutrient absorption in the mm-hmm. food, right? So the foods that they loved that were considered maybe not so healthy, they can, they absorbed more nutrients and got more nutritional benefits than the foods that were considered healthier, right? So they gave them like a salad with like, you know, veggies and whatever, you know, on the side. And they absorbed less nutrients from the salad than from heavy, greasy Thai food or whatever it was that they gave them. So their bodies actually got more benefit from the unhealthy food than from the salad. And it was saying, like, enjoying your food is a huge part of nutrition, right? So if you're going to tell yourself, oh, I'm on a diet, so I'm only going to have carrot sticks. And, you know, even if it's a full lunch, I'm going to have salmon with a salad and a sweet potato on the side because that's the healthy meal. But that's not what you want. Your brain will actually make it in a way that you don't get the full health benefits from that food, right? You might actually getting more health benefits from that like greasy slice of pizza with the fries on the side than you would be getting from that healthy lunch. And so that's so important to know, like so much of our eating is tied to our emotional experience. That's why when people are like emotional eating is bad and, and we only have to, you know, we make all these food rules about what we have to eat. That's harming your body. Also, that's not a good thing either. Eating is supposed to be emotional, right? That's what keeps us alive. Like if we like a food, we're going to go eat it. And that's going to ensure that we nourish ourselves. I like eating, so I'm going to do that. That's what keeps me alive. If I hate eating, I'm not going to do it. And then I might die, you know? Mm -hmm. So eating in itself is an emotional experience. So to say that that's a bad thing, we're kind of not understanding like what emotional eating is. Yes, if we're eating because we're numbing our feelings and we're, trying to avoid life and we're hiding away and you know, whatever it is, and we're doing it to kind of like punish ourselves or damage ourselves, that kind of emotional eating 
fine. That's something that we need to work on and examine. But eating in itself is an emotional experience, and that's a good thing. And making sure that you're eating foods that you enjoy, and not because it's like on a list of foods that are supposed to be good for you or that your like nutritionist told you that you have to eat, that's really important. You know, we have to, again, that's why I hate when, when I hear like, you know, I saw, I see a lot of schools now are doing like this health week, like you and I both participate mm -hmm. in this health week at, at local schools here. And like, whenever I see that happens to be, I think that the school that we went to is doing it in a way that I feel comfortable, but there's other schools that are doing it. And I see they're, they're doing it in a way that I'm like, oh my God, these kids are getting messages about mm -hmm. like good food and bad food, mm -hmm. sizing to earn food. And it's mm -hmm. really to me because they're school age kids and then they're getting these messages now and it's so upsetting to me you know that at such a young age and again the longer you're like indoctrinated with it then the harder it is to kind of see the light right took me 30 something years to finally realize oh my god this is like i i was duped like i believed all that garbage and all those lies we're doing the same thing to this younger generation you know like yes diet culture like we are talking about it and we are learning about it and we are there is a loud voice for body positivity and body respect and health at every size much louder than there ever was but these kids are still getting that message because that industry is a lot richer and a lot louder you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. yeah definitely and i i also um i also tell people this like well, i'll have clients in my office they'll they'll come to me for a few weeks a few months whatever it is and they're like why am i still feeling so bad i'm like because you've been in diet culture for 35 years <laughs> right? working with me for a few weeks. So I, I say, and who's ever listening, if you're interested, I always say like, um, like listen to podcasts about intuitive eating. Christy Harrison has an amazing one. Food psych, Rena Riser, Rachel Goodman, um, Evelyn Tripoli was just interviewed on 10% happier. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell them steep yourself in intuitive eating culture and really like reap the benefits of it. And, and somebody asked, what are the books? So, we recommend Intuitive Eating, written by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Anti-Diet was just written. Amazing book by Christy Harrison. Um, there's also Health at Every Size, which is Linda Bacon. And then there's a ton of other books, if anyone's looking for... for I have um, a list on Amazon. I can share it in my stories. I have, like, a, an Amazon list that I have all of these books, and they're so great. Um, so I'll share that list with all those book recommendations. Um, there's also one that I just started, which also I think is great if you want to know just about like food science and again, how food like, you know, how it interacts with our body and kind of learn about like why that whole like good food, bad food thing is just not reality. It's called Is Butter a Carb? Oh, cool. A really good book. Um, so I'll share the list. Just so interesting. Like you learn so much. Like there's no such thing as a clean food, as, you know, like everyone thinks low fat is better for you. Like it's not good for you. You know, it talks even about like organic versus non organic. Like mm -hmm. guys, it's not any healthier. It's yeah. just not they use pesticides. It's a lot more expensive, but yeah. More expensive, not healthier. So it just debunks a lot of these myths that we have. But again, you know, all the fear mongering and all that stuff, like to get us to buy certain foods and to, you know, this wellness culture, right? Because it's not mm -hmm. cool be on a diet anymore like nobody wants to diet i just care about my health wellness right. Right? right so that's it's the same thing it's a diet just like you know exactly. just you know yeah so being educated and like you said listening to those podcasts steeping yourself in those accounts that talk about anti-diet 
um, body positivity, body respect, that kind of stuff. Like your eyes are open and then you start seeing diet culture everywhere. everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's, I have to say, sometimes I, I regret that I have learned about this because it's so upsetting that it's everywhere you, every simcha you go to, every table you sit at, every restaurant you're at, every, I was getting my hair done today. They were talking about it at the, at the salon. I get my nails done. I hear it at the nail place. I hear it in my office. I hear it on, in the car store. I, it's everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, like sometimes I wish I was still ignorant because it doesn't stop, you know? Yeah. And I've learned. I just, I keep my mouth closed and I'm just like, that was me once upon a time, you know? And like, maybe they'll learn, maybe they won't. Like, it's just sad that this is, you know, where we're at, but it's everywhere. Yeah. But, but I want to say something. I want to validate that. And I also want to say that I probably learned this from you and other therapists that I follow that like, it's so, this is also like super powerful. And I was talking about this at the school that our emotions, even our negative emotions are really not bad. They're like our smoke alarm that we want to do something. So if you're, you use that anger and that like frustration of like people talking about these things to communicate that here on Instagram and reach so many people and explain like, this is upsetting. This is painful. This is years and years and years of me. Like um, Christy Harrison, her new book, anti-diet, it says how diet culture has stolen your yeah. time, money, and energy. It does. It steals years off your life because think about it. You, you just said for like 20 years on and off a diet, on and off a diet, on vacation with your family, not thinking about the fun that you're having with your family. You're thinking about what you're eating and yeah. how that you are. It just, it steals our well-being. And I, and I think somebody even asked, like, like, I, I know that it sounds like crazy that, um, that we're talking about this. Like, I, I do know that. Like, I know that so many people are like, it can't be that you're overweight and healthy. It's impossible. But like, I really just want, I want it, this to just plant seeds for you to realize how many, how many years are you going to hate yourself because of your weight? And how much energy are you going to spend on how you look? I'm, and I'm not saying to not take care of yourself at all. You know, my number one favorite thing in the entire world is self-care. I think you should take good care of yourself. And I think that you could take really good care of yourself with good nutrition and eating every two to three hours and drinking. But like you said before, um, the article that said you don't absorb as much nutrients when you don't enjoy the food, which I, I, I remember reading that. So I must have read it in one of these books. I'm actually, I'm, just so everyone knows, I'm actually writing a letter to healthcare providers to give them a little bit of education on the research out there because I really want them to know. And even if they're not behind it, at least maybe they'll look, look at the research. But that was one of the articles I was quoting. So I have to, I have to look for the article. But I just, yeah, I just want people to know that like, you know, diet culture kind of thrives off of us hating ourselves and shaming ourselves and blaming ourselves. And you could live a life that has food freedom and joy and happiness. And you, and of course you could associate, um, good food with, um, comfort and family. That's what, that's what we all do. When a baby's born, the first thing a baby does is drink sweet milk. It has lactose. If they're breastfeeding, if they're, ha even if they have a bottle and like, don't get me started on how shaming we are with, with bottle feeding. I don't want to talk about that, but it's, it's, we connect that and it's a really a beautiful thing. Think about how much pleasure we could get from food and how much joy we could have and how much celebration we could have from food. And it's, it's just, it's just seeing food in a positive way. And 
I did speak at a health fair and I spoke to sixth and seventh graders and I spoke to them about nutrition and I spoke to them about what a fat is and a carb and a protein, but it's, it's like adding instead of subtracting. It's like noticing what you like and incorporating nutrition, but without any like shame or guilt or foods are bad, never, because even as you're describing, the more you deprive yourself of that food, the more you will binge on it. Right. Yeah. And I think we have to remember that, that, the part of one of the like, I guess, tenets of like, I mean, you know, one of the um, ideas of intuitive eating is like, every food has a time and a place like there's room for all foods in your diet. So birthday cake, like, of course, you're not going to eat that every day. Maybe when you first start intuitive eating, you will because you haven't had cake forever. But like, mm-hmm. there's time and a place for birthday cake. Like if you ate birthday cake every day, you probably wouldn't feel so good. Mm-hmm. But when you're a birthday, have a piece of cake and don't have a slit. Give me a tiny sliver. And then you're eating everyone's frosting after that. Like have the piece of cake and enjoy it and have it with a cup of coffee even, or whatever it is, like just enjoy. And the more you give yourself permission to enjoy food, the less you feel like, Oh my God, I have to have it. Oh my God, I have to have it. Or I'm being so good because I'm not having it because then the next time you're around something, or it could even just be later on, something else presents itself. And because you deprived yourself of that cake, now you can't control yourself around that next thing. So if you would just give yourself permission to enjoy, and I see it with my own kids, like I've changed the way I approach their eating very much like applying this, you know, division of responsibility stuff and intuitive eating. Like I see for them, like they'll take us, you know, a, I did a post on this once, a story about how we were at my niece's bat mitzvah. And there was like a giant candy table and some of the kids were like going insane. Like you should have seen the mountains. I was like, okay, I know which kids don't get candy at home. I like, right. no, my kids took, and I didn't say a word to them. I'm like, guys, just go get what you want. So on the table was candy, cookies, and fruit. They took a little plate of candy and they took a plate of fruit. I did not tell them to take the fruit. I just said, take what you want mm-hmm. back to the table with the candy and the fruit. They took a couple pieces of candy from the cake. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. Obviously, we know, though, that the fruit does have more nutritional value than the candy, right? So, and, you know, like, obviously, I want them to have some fruit in their diet, you know, because we were just, like, on an eating tour the whole vacation. But they they took this plate of candy, and they took the plate of fruit, and they were eating the candy. And then they stopped and ate more of the fruit than the candy. It turned out I finished the candy plate, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of my deprivation mentality still, you know, but mm-hmm. I didn't say a word to them about it, you know, and like, that was it. And they were happy and satisfied and like done. And I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm so happy you guys ate the fruit. Like, nope. Did you guys, you had enough? Like, I don't think one is better than the other. It was just, I loved seeing how our bodies naturally crave foods that have more nutrients and are better for us. And we're able to enjoy them more when we give ourselves permission to eat. So in that case, they enjoyed the candy and they got what they needed from that. And they enjoyed the fruit and they got what they needed from that. And I was like, it was so like empowering for me to see like, if I just let them be, they choose the foods that are good for them. And I hear parents say that all the time. If I let my kid have cookies, he's never going to stop. If I let them have candy, they're never going to stop. Mm-hmm. Not true. It's just not true. You don't eat cookies until you die. Like you will eventually stop. So give them the cookies give them the pasta, give them the candy, give them access to it, they will eventually stop. And they will learn to be like, you know what? I had a couple, like, I feel good. That was enough. Now I'm going to have something else, you know? Yeah. You might reach for the, you know, more nutrient dense foods that you want them to have. 
And of course we want that. That's another thing. People think intuitive eating, like, oh, you're just allowed to eat whatever you want. And it's an excuse to binge and eat disgusting food. No, in the beginning, that's kind of like what we teach is like, you need to have it all, right? It's that pendulum yeah. they give, right? Like yeah. you need to just have it all because once you give yourself permission to have all of that, then you're going to come back and like find that balance of like knowing, you know, trusting yourself that you can have some of this and you can have some of that. And so the same thing will happen with kids when they're so deprived for so long, they are going to go crazy at first. And you just have to be patient and you just have to say, okay, they need this. They need to get over that hump and they need to see like this food will always be available and you can trust that it's going to come back and you don't have to freak out and feel like you need to, you know, hang on to it. And then once they get over that hump, like your food battles are over, you know, and then everything is, is like good and, and, and safe for them. And it's so, I'm so grateful that I discovered this for myself, but even more so for them, because I see that they will have a healthier relationship with exercise, with, with food, with movement, with, you know, with, with everything. Um, so I feel like I didn't just like save myself. Like I really saved them a lifetime of agony. And, and again, they know what's out there. I talk to them about that, like that, other people don't really buy this. Like people do believe that certain foods are good and certain foods are bad. People do believe that if you're in a bigger body, you're not healthy, but like, we don't believe that, you know, like we're, we're learning differently. So I want them to know that also that they're going to hear conflicting messages, but like, I want them to know that this is what, what we understand. And this, this is what we know to be health in our house. I don't need them to go educating their friends. I don't want them to, um, because I think that's overwhelming and a lot of responsibility for a kid, and I don't think they can. But I just want them to know it for themselves, you know? So when yeah. they hear friends saying, oh, I can't have that, my mom said I can't have carbs, they could just say, like, all right. In their head, be like, wow, that's, like, sad, and I feel bad for her. Just eat your chips and enjoy. Like, mm -hmm. eat your friend. Don't tell her carbs, this car. It's right. fine. That's right. what mom is telling her. Like, it's not your job to fix it. Right. You know? Um, so I think that's important, like just giving them the tools to know it for themselves, but also then just to know like how to deal with it on the outside when they see it on the outside, not to get overwhelmed and feel like, oh my God, but they, but they believe that and I have to fix it. You don't have to fix it. This is knowledge that I want you to have for yourself so that you are safe and healthy. And if someone asks you, you can share, but like, don't go trying to teach the world. Like you're too little, just enjoy your life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that people don't really like unsolicited advice. And I never, I, I don't, I'm not so into like the anti-diet movement because I don't like to shame people for being on a diet. I find it very hypocritical. I, yeah. I personally, I feel like, okay, for the last hundred years, we were all in diet culture and now we learned a different way, thankfully. And now we're trying to implement it, but we don't have to shame anyone for wanting to change, change their body. It's so normal. The whole world's on a diet. Um, but I did want to share this about I wanted to say this also for those of you who are learning about intuitive eating here for the first time, we do know that a lot of people just adapt this. There's 10 principles. So many people cling to the principle, unconditional permission to eat, making peace with food. And that's one principle. Yeah. There's gentle nutrition. There's joyful movement. There's, there's honoring your hunger, feeling your fullness, the satisfaction. There's so many different pr principles, co coping with your emotions without using food. So please don't just, 
you know, think of this as one principle or like, oh, I'm doing intuitive eating. I could just eat whatever I want and just accept my body. Like there, it's a, it's a really, it's a real internal process. And Rena Reiser actually taught me this, that even though the third principle is making peace with food, she actually does it last. And it's much easier when you do it last because it's not as scary. You've already learned your hunger fullness cues. And um, I'm giving a six week course now doing intuitive eating. And that's going to be my last class. And I actually asked, my clients to bring food to the class so we could do it together and support each other through it. Right. Um, I also wanted to share this story about my daughter. Um, so, so my daughter's seven and I had, before I learned about division of responsibility, which is um, a feeding model written by Ellen Satter, who's a dietitian and a social worker. She's really very knowledgeable. My daughter was the kid who was stealing all the food at the party for sure. I was like, I'm a dietitian. I'll teach her everything she needs to know. She doesn't have to eat that. She doesn't have to eat that. But like, it obviously didn't work because she wants to eat what her friends are eating or she wants to eat whatever. And she came home from a Hanukkah party this year and she said, my stomach really, really hurt. So I asked her, what did you eat? So she said, I had two donuts and I had um, two lakas or something. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes fried food could really hurt our stomach. It's very, it's very hard for your stomach to absorb or whatever I said, digest all that fat at once. So now we just went to like a party together. We went to Malava Maka together and she's like, I don't want to eat so much fried food because I know it hurts my stomach. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say anything to her about the fried food. She brought it up to me and it's like, our kids and, and us, we are so threatened by diets because they really do threaten our autonomy. They tell us what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, what foods we should like. Like you always make the joke, like who likes kale salad? I happen to really like kale, <laughs> but like, yeah, no. It's like, no, I really do. But like, you know, everyone's telling me, oh, you have to try these Gigi crackers. I'm like, these taste like, I don't even know what. I'm right. Sorry. Right. And, but we're convincing ourselves. We like that stuff. We're convincing ourselves. We like the sugar-free, whatever because we think that that's what we're supposed to like, you know, but again, like we have, and I think that's such an important point, especially for kids. Like intuitive eating is so great on so many levels, but also because you're teaching your kids to trust their bodies, you're giving them that bodily autonomy. Like that's such an important thing for so many different things in their lives. You're teaching them boundaries, right? For themselves. Like you feel full, you had enough, like, great. You can stop eating instead of pushing and you didn't eat enough. You need to have more finish your plate or you had too much, no more for you. That's it. You know, like we're teaching them that they can trust their, what their feelings, their sensations, and that they can, they can draw that line and be like, I'm finished now, or I would like some more. And we honor that, you know, I mean, something that Ellen talks about sadder is, you know, those feeding times and division of responsibility is making meal times and giving your kids structures around times, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a whole separate life, but we're giving them that opportunity to really exercise that independence and learning to trust themselves and how they feel. And that benefits them in so many ways besides food and besides, you know, their, their diet. So I think that's something really important that parents should consider because usually that the earliest boundary violation we have with our kids is with food, mm -hmm. you know, more of that. No, you can't have that. No, you no, you didn't finish your plate. You can't leave the table. That's, violating their boundaries and it's also teaching them to doubt their own inner cues like oh maybe i'm not full or maybe i am full right let them be the judge of when they've had enough and you can help them like oh does your tummy feel full you feel like you had enough you can set that limit of like okay just so you know this next meal time will be it you know in an hour two hours whatever it is but give them the opportunity to listen to themselves and honor themselves i think that's 
so important. And that's such a great way to show your kids respect um, and help them to build confidence that they can trust themselves and make decisions for themselves about themselves, which is what we want them to do, you know? Right. right. Yeah. I have a lot of, um, t- tell me when you have to go, by the way, because I don't know what time it is. Um, Probably going to run out of time soon. Okay. Wow. Um, so I have a lot of clients that tell me like, what am I supposed to do? I can't get my kids to eat this or that, or even teenagers. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do when they're 20? Right. You're not going to be there telling them what to eat or what not to eat. So you have to teach them how to learn to listen to themselves because ultimately they're going to decide anyways, like what you were describing when you got married, you were like, Hey, I could just buy soda and I could just eat whatever I want. And that's what happens. So Um, should we answer some of the questions? Uh, yeah, we could look. We have time. Run out of time any second, but let's look. Okay. Um, we're gonna save the live. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna put the swipe up for my Amazon book list. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Please. If anyone um, has, and you could ask now. Uh, we love Rachel. <laughs> please explain what do you do different now that keeps you healthy. Again, because health is so multifaceted, like for me, health is not about like being a size anymore or a weight. For me, health is about like moving my body, making sure I'm getting sleep, eating the things that make me feel good, honoring what I need, you know, being sure that I am nourishing myself, that I'm eating, but also instead of making decisions based on fear of like, I really want to have that slice of pizza, but like, I know it's not good for me is I want to have that slice of pizza. Am I in the mood for that? Like, yeah, I'm going to have it now. And then eating it and enjoying it and like not feeling bad about it. And then not being like, well, I need to sign up for two classes tomorrow. Cause I had a slice of, you know, right. health is so much more than like we said earlier, it's not about what you're putting in your body and how you're moving your body. There's so many other things that are impacting your health besides that. Um, so I think that's like so important for us to remember that it's not, I think now I'm honoring my health more um than i was before yeah i think it's important for people to know i also think it's important for people to know that there is actually a diagnosis called orthorexia and that is when you're unhealthily obsessed with only eating clean or healthy and that's not healthy so if you're thinking about food or what you're eating 80 percent of the day or more let's say 100 percent, 110 percent that's because you're dreaming about it that's an eating we're just going to finish up with Gila. We got cut off in our last 30 seconds. But Gila, when you come back on, she was just describing um, orthorexia. So I just want her to like finish up with just discussing what orthorexia was. Um, but basically, it's an obsession with with eating healthfully and wellness. But I'm going to have... going to finish up here. I'm just waiting for Gila to join. Hi about anorexia is and then we're going to finish up but um saving this again i'm saving our first half to the to my page and then we'll save it to youtube also okay perfect um also i just want to tell you that when i was just on project proactives um live they said it was an hour and a half so i don't know what happened but okay um you you probably two of them back to back Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'm really bad at this. Um, so orthorexia. So yeah, that is a clinical term. I don't think it's on the DSM-5 as of yet. going to be there soon. Um, that's where you're, it's a diagnosis where you're obsessively 
obsessed with only eating healthy. So like you're isolated, you won't go out to restaurants, you'll interrogate the waiter, you're thinking about food 80% of the day, your whole life revolves around your Costco run and your uh, wellness food and your workout plan. That's not really living. That's really not. And something that's interesting also that um, people should think about and consider is a lot of like food sensitivities that people have that they think like they can't eat gluten or they can't have dairy or whatever. There are people, yes, who cannot have those things and do have trouble digesting them. But we know based on, again, on science and research, a lot of like people's food sensitivities come from, it's more like a somatic thing. It's more that they've convinced themselves that they cannot digest certain foods. And again, we know the mind is so powerful in our absorption of nutrients and in our digestion of food. Like, you might be perpetuating a lot of your food sensitivities and you might be convincing yourself you can't have certain things. So by restricting them, you're making it harder for your body to learn how to deal with those foods. Um, So I would say if you're someone who has a lot of trouble with like a lot of food and you think that you can't eat anything. um, And so you're like on this kick of like, Oh, I'm going to only eat gluten-free and this free and that thing and whatever it is. I would look at that as there could be some orthorexia in there. And again, you might be perpetuating a lot of, your health issues with certain foods. Um, and I've heard stories of this, of people who like thought that they were allergic to things and couldn't eat things. And at the end of the day, like it was just a matter of having super dysfunctional thoughts and a dysfunctional relationship with food where they were really restricting and cutting out foods from their diet and harming themselves, you know? And we know, we see there's lower rates of peanut allergies in countries where, you know, they're giving their kids peanuts, like from the minute born, right? Because there's an exposure to it. So like their, their bodies are able to handle it. So we have to give ourselves exposure to all these foods also so that our bodies learn how to handle it. Um, So that would be something also that kind of ties into that orthorexia, like cutting out food is never a good thing. Keto, like unless you have like epilepsy, like you should not be on a ketogenic diet. Like that is dangerous for you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's all the trend now. Celery juice, like, guys, I hate to break it to you, like, very little to, like, no health benefits for that. Like, you know, juicing celery actually takes away a lot of the nutrients from it. So you should just eat a stock of celery, you know. But again, we see, this is actually something important that I do want to bring up before we finish. A lot of people's health information comes from influencers. Instagram, right. Yeah, influencers, Instagram people who are not educated in the science of nutrition who do not know about these things. So you're seeing your favorite influencer on, you know, keto or celery juice or on X diet. Like I'm not going to drop any names, but there's a lot of those big diets out there that everybody's on with these waffles or this bar, whatever it is. And you're taking what they say as like Torah Mithenai, like this is, you know, God's word. And like, they know about nutrition and you're, you're, kind of like hopping on the train to like go on whatever they're going on because you think that you're going to look like them if you eat the way that they do. Um, and a lot of these things are either not nutritionally beneficial for you, like they're not doing anything for you, or they're harmful. You know, there's some diets out there that like they're just harmful. If any diet is telling you that in order to like lose weight and like be healthy, you need to buy all of their products, their food products that are marketed with their branding on it, that's not something that's healthy. It's not teaching you to eat real food and take care of your health. It's teaching you to buy their products and give them money. Mm-hmm. Something to be aware of. Right. So 
just because your friend is all up on Instagram and she lost all this weight and she's on this wonderful program, that doesn't mean that that is something that is good for you. And that's something that, again, that's why I think it's so important to read books, to follow dietitians who are educated in the science of health and nutrition and learn from them. Don't learn from, you know, X, Y, and Z Instagrammer. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just doing whatever is being fed to them. And I think we take, we, we assume that like they just know what they're doing and they don't. And again, like I see a lot of big influencers doing this keto diet and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. You know, so that's important. Know where you're getting your information from. Your favorite influencer is not someone to be taking diet advice from, you know, or health advice. Just not. Right. And also, like, I have a friend who actually told me that their husband went on Octavia and they ended up, like, in the hospital with, like, a stomach obstruction or something, like, really crazy. Like, really seriously crazy. I honestly, like, I again, like, I don't want to – I really what I want to say is, like, I'm holding space for even you, Rachel, that said, like, you feel so pain that you imparted diet culture into so many people's lives. It's It's normal. It's – you know, 90% of the world is on a diet and is steeped in diet culture. And it's so sad and it's so unfortunate, but thankfully we have voices like you and Evelyn and Tiffany Rowe and people who are really, you know, standing up for the cause and making a difference. And, um, it's really deep work. It's very deep work. Like when I work with clients one-on-one, we go far back into their childhood and we talk about, were you not accepted because you were overweight? Was your, you know, was your mom shamed for her weight? Let's say, and it is, it's very, it changes your whole life. It changes your whole perspective. It takes away those judgments from other pe- about other people. We learn to have self-compassion, empathy. Um, people in larger bodies, it's not their fault. And a lot of times it's not their fault. Like there are some things that could influence your weight that actually have a lot to do with dieting. Like, are you engaging in last supper eating a lot? Like what you're describing, like the diet starts tomorrow. So then you binge and people tell me they do that every Saturday night. So they're going on a massive food binge once a week, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you're feeling deprived, you might end up binging. If you, if you're continually lowering, lowering your caloric intake, then your metabolism will slow. And it sounds like that's what happened to you, Rachel, when you first got married, that you gained weight so quickly. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of research out there. There's really great accounts to follow. And I hope that this just like gave you guys a taste of what's out there. Yeah. And just important to remember also that like, when you start on the intuitive eating journey, like it's not easy. This no. is the most difficult work I've like ever done on myself. And I, I like work on myself a lot. Like this is so hard on so many levels. And every time I think I'm like in a great space, like I learn that there's something else for me to be working on that. I, I learned some kind of new dysfunctional thinking in terms of like eating or exercise or whatever it is. Like there's always something coming up. So it's not like so glamorous and it's not so easy and, and different people will, will experience different things, but like, it's worth it because yeah. I said the other day when I met with um, Ruhama from D-Rama, she has that clothing line for all sizes. It's a, it's a size inclusive clothing line. And I was saying for me, like when I started on the, with intuitive eating, like I gained weight and my body did change and that was really hard for me. And I was, I had to really look at my own fear of like fat. Like, yeah, I don't mind. You know, I was learning, yeah, other people can be in big bodies and like, I'm fine with that and I'm not judging them anymore. But like, I had this intense fear of gaining weight mm-hmm. that I had to get. But, you know, I gained weight like physically, yes, and my body did change. But then I felt so much lighter because 
I wasn't obsessing about it anymore. And I wasn't obsessing about food. And it was just this massive like weight lifted off of me where I'm not always thinking about that anymore. And like, I don't care, you know, and like, I can learn to like respect my body and, and honor it and like care for it and, and just not be mean to myself anymore, you know? And that doesn't mean that I don't have days where I'm just like, where I don't feel good about myself. Like I said earlier, I do. Mm -hmm. What to do in those moments. I'm not like, okay, I'm going to skip breakfast today. Right. Or I'm going to be so good and not eat whatever. No, I know what I need today. Like I'm not feeling so great. So I'm going to focus on gratitude. I'm going to get myself to the gym. And I'm going to show myself that I can do more push-ups than I could do last week. I'm getting stronger. Or I'm just going to move in a way that like just makes me feel grateful that I have the ability to be moving. I'm going to go hug my kids. I'm going to do something just to like kind of believe and, and, and make myself feel that like what I'm feeling right now is such a, it's a fleeting moment in time and it'll go away, you know? Um, and that's usually how it is. Like we know your body image can change from, you know, one hour to the next, like at eight o'clock, you could be feeling disgusting by nine o'clock. You feel great, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a mental thing. Yeah. So that's so, yeah. a part of like, so I just did a talk on self-care and I said that letting yourself feel emotions, no matter how painful they are, is like a really powerful, it's something that I learned through like my own therapist and people who I follow, like um, emotions, maybe we're just like, you know, taught from a young age, like, oh, you're sad. Let me give you an ice cream. Like you're allowed to feel sad. Like that is, you're supposed to like, you don't have to wallow in pain and be depressed, but like. Sometimes things are really sad. Sometimes we don't have answers and like that really, 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 really hurts. And like sometimes we do cope with our emotions by using food. And I try to help my clients to have other coping mechanisms because at the end of the day, then you'll have the food problem and the other problem. So like engaging in emotional eating is sometimes okay. But if it's really like your only coping tool, then I hope you'll learn other coping tools because it's not gonna, it's not gonna give you, if, if that's what, what your learned behavior is, that makes perfect sense. Like, I'm really going to validate that. But like, now at this time in your life, like you could really learn other coping skills. And like, there's so many other ways to soothe yourself and feel better. And it's just, it's so powerful, because it's not just about the food. And it's like, really never about the food. It's like so much deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this was great, Gila. Thank That's you. So Thank you. I hope everybody learned something and reach out to Rachel or me if you have any other questions. Yeah, definitely follow Gila and she has this great course that I think everyone should take and learn from. And follow follow other dietitians, Gila, my and and we dropped some names before Christine. Tripoli, yeah, Christy Harrison, Rachel Goodman, Hey Tiffany yeah. Co. So many good accounts. Yeah. And start there. And again, it's a process. Like I think some, I also sometimes get questions like from people, like if I eat intuitively, will I lose weight? And I'm always like, intuitive eating is not a diet. Right. It's not about weight loss. It's not about weight loss. Like, and if that's your goal, again, you know, I totally understand it because I thought going into it also, like maybe that's just what I need to do. Like just listen to my body and I'll go back to that weight when I was 20 years old. I had to learn like, that's not where my body needs to be three kids later. And, you know, almost 20 years later, like mm -hmm. I need, my body needs to be in a different space, shape, weight, whatever it is. And that's not a bad thing. And I, ne I need to just like respect it and honor it and stop trying to like push it back to a place where it doesn't want to be. It's going to keep coming back. It's going to mm -hmm. keep coming. You know, it doesn't want to be there. Yeah. So
Yeah, and I just want to say this also, like, I'll admit that when I went on, when I started, went on, when I started doing intuitive eating, I definitely gained weight. And I also actually started going to the gym at the same time. And I go like three to four times a week. And I'm still, I don't know, at a higher weight. And like, I'm admitting this on Instagram, like, I'm not even like really embarrassed. Like, I can't even believe it. Like I have, there are definitely days where I look in the mirror, and I'm like, Oh, my God, I can't believe it. But that's my initial reaction. And I learned to cope with that. And like, even like, love myself and be happy like I'm so happy like I respect this body I had three healthy children like I had a c-section I you know went through serious trauma like I talk about this a lot on Instagram my mom died three days later I had my baby c-section that's real trauma your body's holding on to that if you gain weight because of it like it's okay like seriously like yeah. and, and I said I said this on the live the other night about my friend who who was diagnosed with cancer like a few weeks after her wedding and she lost a lot of weight because she had cancer and people said to her like how'd you do it and she's like um like when she finally got fed up enough she's like i have cancer and they're like wow i wish i had cancer like hello guys right but so twisted like again that goes back to like that doctor's appointment like why do we think that way why are we like that? You know, why when there's a fast day are people like, I wish I was anorexic so that I could fast and not have a problem. Like you don't wish that it's horrible. That it's a horrible thing. You don't want to have cancer just so you can be skinny. You don't want the doctor pulling you aside and asking you why you're so frail and you look unhealthy. You know, like we really need to like for that's like a huge, you know, eye opening, like, Oh my God moment. Like this is how far we've sunk, you know? So Again, I totally understand it because I was there. And, and sometimes I go back to that thinking because I'm trying to undo so many years of that thinking. It's only been a year and a bit. Like, so of course that, that's ingrained in me, you know, but I've come very far. I'm still on the journey and I, and I empathize for sure. And I, and when people tell me they're on diets, I'm not angry at them. I totally understand it. I, I feel disappointed for them because you know, I know what that's like. And I know the disappointment that comes with being on a diet and then having it not work and going back to where you were. And I even I have a friend who's on a diet now. And, you know, he says he's like, I know, like, once I get get to this goal of where I'm what I want to be this size for, like, I'm going back to where I was. Right. And I'm so sad, like, you're like, he's already setting himself up to like, go back, you know, mm -hmm. I and that's just upsetting. And, and, you know, but again, once upon a time, I was this person that was like, Oh, you've lost weight. Cause he's been on a hundred diets. You look great. You keep going, you know? And like, now I'm just like, I just want you to be happy and healthy, whatever that means. This is making you feel happy now. Great. I I'm hoping he'll see the light and not do this anymore. But like, I just want him to be happy and healthy and I don't want to judge. And I don't, you know, um, cause I was there once. I also believe that dieting works, you know? Yeah. Thank God I don't anymore. So, um, and yeah, someone said here, you can't look at a person and know if they have an eating disorder. There's no look. Yeah. You can be in a bigger body and have anorexia or bulimia, mm -hmm. you know, no, like there's such a thing as a bigger body that has an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, and Sugar Rose actually is a great account to follow. She talks about that a lot also. Yeah. Um, Okay, so follow Gila, check out her course, look at her blog post for Project Proactive, they're amazing. Thanks. Hire her to come speak. Thank you. <laughs> and I'll save this. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to message myself or Gila, and we will continue this discussion, both of us. This is not something we're quiet about. 
Definitely. Thank you so much, Rachel. Good night. Bye, everyone. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.